The following audio is via a Skype call. Well, that's why I asked. That's how you learn, by asking. TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We are Manson Mitchell in your ears for an hour on a Friday, hoping to kickstart your weekend. We'll do that all the better if we have the good services. So focused, too, all the time. This guy is riveted to his task. And, of course, I'm talking about bad boy Benny Mathers at the board. How are you, Benny? Wow, Gary, you got some punch right there. Yeah, rivet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And let me ask you, by the by, because I didn't get into that page on the Internet here. I've been doing other things. The Hawks, did they have their first preseason game last night, was they did. it? Yes, they did. Did they emerge victorious? They did. They're 1-0. Very good. Yeah. And in the standings, that counts for absolutely nothing. Exactly. <laughs> Hooray. Good for them. All right. Give them a round of applause. When your stars right. get absolutely to play nothing. one quarter and then go sit down or take a shower or whatever well, they do, you Russell Wilson, our star quarterback, didn't even play a down yesterday. They had the backups in there working for jobs, basically. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. safety measure as yeah, well. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, no point in getting hurt before the season even starts. You know, and, and that contract that they have their insurance, et cetera, et cetera, but you're still going to lay out dough for a guy who's riding the pines. That's not what you want to see. <laughs> so, okay, football season is coming up on us. Man, it just... It just seems like the Super Bowl with another Tom Brady hoisting <laughs> the cup and all. I just want to give thanks, everybody. Yeah, the fans have been so great in New England, so wonderful. And uh, I happen to be the king of the universe while we're at it. And the Kraft family has been so terrific. And here's my MAGA hat. So <laughs> oh. And we're going to go through all of that again. So let's see what this season turns out to be. 2019 football season. Mm. You know, the only thing that gets me more amped, Suzanne, than the prospect of the Seahawks launching another fall campaign is talking to Christopher Renstrom about stars and planets and that intermingling of cosmic forces. I love talking with Christopher Renstrom. I always learn something. I always take notes. And I have learned some very practical things that I've been able to put to use immediately, especially when it comes to Libras. Oh, really? Yes, that's right. And it keeps bearing new evidential fruit, yes, we find does. out. When you've got a Libra in your life, you'd better be a problem solver because that's what's leaning on your shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go ahead and, and give this man his mad props. And I should mention that uh, we'll, we'll throw open the phone lines a little bit. If you have a question about astrology, we don't mean what's going to happen to me in the next 30 days. It's not that sort of show today. When we have Christopher Renstrom and he accepts the notion that we might have calls, we would like for those callers to ask a question of him about you know, what does it mean for me to have such and such rising sign or, or why do I have such bad luck with women when I'm a guy with a Venus in Scorpio placement in my chart and what the heck's going on here? If it's something like that that can be answered in a way that would be a benefit to many or illustrate a principle, we like those sorts of calls when we have astrologers on. And never is that more so than in the case of Christopher Renstrom. 
rulingplanets.com is Christopher Renstrom's online subscription-based interactive astrology magazine. It's based on his book, Ruling Planets, which was published in 2002 and has sold out its print run, so don't even bother looking. Renstrom has been a practicing astrologer since 1985. He also lectures about the history of astrology in America from pre-revolutionary to modern times, which is his specialty, and runs Ruling Planets workshops around the country. We will. He regularly appears on radio and television, and we are celebrating with him his 19th visit to Manson Mitchell. That's how much we love Christopher Renstrom. So say hello for the 19th time, Christopher (laughs) Renstrom. How are you today? I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. Thank you. You know, if I had known that, Suzanne, here's where we have to be a little more coordinated in our show prep. We take one break at the bottom of the hour. When we come back, we have a bit of music. I would have chosen 19th 19th Nervous Breakdown. breakdown. (laughs) (laughs) That's very funny. But we we think we have a good one anyway. It's always a pleasure to have you with us, Christopher. Let's get started by getting a bit caught up, cosmically speaking, in terms of the influences that pertain at this time. We got past, and we're not much past, a Mercury retrograde. And you know what? The good news about a Mercury retrograde is, A, we're not going to talk about today. It's over. (laughs) And secondly, as I tell people in the midst of one, how long have you been alive? Well, I've been alive for 47 years. Okay, 47 years worth of Mercury retrogrades, and you've survived every one of them. So, yes, does it have significance? But of course it does, but don't treat it so fatalistically. That's what I tell people about that cosmic incident. So what well, they else also is going happen on? three times a year, so yeah, right. they're, they're a pretty common occurrence. They are. What else is going on in the planets right now that we need to take note of? I have my pen and paper handy. Well, we have um, actually uh, three different things that are taking place. Um, the first is every planet in the sky turns retrograde except for the sun and moon. Um, I know that the sun and moon aren't technically planets, but when uh, the word planet was being first involved with astrology it comes from the Greek word planitos, it meant a wandering light or a moving light in the sky, which was meant to distinguish the lights in the sky that moved from the ones that didn't, which were stars formed in constellations. Uh, so that's a very quick uh, 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 in, info moment on why the sun and moon are considered planets. But everyone else turns retrograde. And so for the past number of months, Jupiter, the planet of good fortune and higher purpose, has been retrograde in its own sign of Sagittarius. And so on August 11th, which is in just a couple of days, it will move forward. So that's going to be very good news for not only everyone born under Sagittarius and Pisces, but also for people born under fire signs like Aries and uh, Leo in addition. Uh, The other thing we have uh, uh, looking forward to is Uranus uh, turning retrograde. So Jupiter is coming out of retrograde. It's it's coming direct. And uh, Uranus is turning retrograde. It's going backward. And that's actually, believe it or not, going to be bringing peace of mind to people born under uh, Taurus, Leo, uh, Scorpio, and Aquarius. 
And then finally, we have Mercury re-entering Leo after it's retrograde in uh, Cancer, and that's going to be a bump up to the system, to the fire signs as well. So I know I sound a little bit like the side of a cereal, uh, of a, mm-hmm. side of a cereal box listing all of these ingredients, but um, all of those positions that I just outlined are all happening on the same day, which is August 11th. I oh. love this. Cereal box wisdom. And when does riboflavin go retrograde? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Christopher, we talk about, uh, well, you talk about Uranus now and again on the show. And I've always understood Uranus to be the planet of surprises, sudden yeah. interruptions of patterns on which we had come to rely. Isn't that true? And if it's retrograde, if that is the case, does the retrograde motion mean that Uranus is a time of, oh, that's no surprise? Well, actually what it is is that Uranus, uh, Uranus is the first of what we call the three modern planets. Um, and these were the planets that were discovered in the last 250 years that were, at, that were added to astrology. Before then, you had the classic seven. Uh, you could almost think of it as Coke classic, you know, and, and those were uh, Sun, Moon, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. And this was our cast of characters. So Uranus was discovered between the uh, American War for Independence and the French Revolution. So that's why it was ascribed or given the meaning of revolutionary, the planet that upsets the status quo, because Uranus literally, with its discovery, and it was right at the midpoint between those two events, literally upset uh, what had been uh, tradition, what what had been uh, everyone's familiar past, and it came in and it upset that. So Uranus carries with it this reputation for unpredictability or for upsetting something uh, which we've taken for granted. And Uranus is most powerful when it enters a zodiac sign and when it exits a zodiac sign because it takes seven years to go through one sign. So Uranus entered Taurus last year, and so what that would have been doing is upsetting people's conventional or, or more familiar notions about society, security, economy, all those things that would be connected to the zodiac sign of Taurus. Let me ask you a, a, a pretty uh, mundane question here because uh, that's where I live. And okay. that is, when you say that it's in a sign for seven years and it's going to retrograde August 11. Will Uranus go in and out of retrograde during that seven-year period? Uranus will go in and out of retrograde uh, seven times during that seven-year period. It will retrograde once a year. Okay. Okay. Uh, Thank you. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Mercury, because its orbit is so close to the sun, it, it, its orbit is between the Earth and the sun, Mercury's year is shorter than ours is, okay? So Mercury yes, will course. actually turn yeah. retrograde three times in, in one okay. year as we catalog it in our calendar. Right. And because of where Uranus is placed, it will go in and out of retrograde once a year, and then it will it will change the house that it's in. What house is Uranus in right now? Well, a house is not the same thing as a sign. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. What yeah, sign is yeah. it in? Oh, oh no, it's 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 something that uh, confuses people a lot, and 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 it's always wonderful to be able to sort of explain the difference. Um, a house is part of your is one of the twelve slices of pie in your astrological chart. Okay. So, so everyone has 12 houses in their chart. Their chart is a circle divided into 12. And a house would describe the area of life 
that that um, pertains to the planet that is in that house in your natal horoscope. For instance, the second house is the house of money. The twelfth house is the house of hidden enemies. Okay, so you have different houses which rule over different areas of life. A sign is where the planet resides for a period of time. If you think of a clock, um, and if you think of the numbers on the face of a clock, there are 12 numbers on the face of a clock that never, ever move. Those are the zodiac signs. They never, ever move. But the planets, the planets are like the hands of a clock. They're in constant motion. So a planet will pass through a, a, a sign, like a, like a hand of a clock will point to, to a number. So Uranus will be in Taurus for seven years, whereas the sun, for instance, will go through all 12 signs in one year, 12 months, one month equals a sign. Does that sort of help explain or clarify yes, that? Yes, it does. It does. Thank you. And with Uranus in Taurus for this seven-year period, what is, what is the personality of that? What's the characteristic of that? Well, I kind of think that the simplest way of putting it is that when you have Uranus in Taurus, or when you have Uranus strong in your chart anyway, it's kind of like living really close to a fault line, all right? Um, there's always like little vibrations or little things that sort of affect you, but they're not really noticeable or they don't really become significant until something triggers that energy. And then you have like what we had a couple of weeks ago, an earthquake. So basically, uh, people, if you're born with Uranus and Taurus, on one hand, your sense of groundedness and stability is going to be very Taurian, which means very fixed. Um, you, 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 you want things to be secure and consistent in your life, but you're going to go through certain periods of your life in which all of a sudden you're going to experience an unpredictable twist or a sudden um, rupture in the way that things were done, and that falls into a certain area of your chart, and that would be the area of your chart that you would want to pay attention to during certain particular times of year. Okay. At this point in time, I'm going to get serious. I joke around. We have a light mood whenever you're on, Christopher, and good for us because it makes it all the more enjoyable to have you as a guest. But I do want to get down to something very, very deadly serious. When you look at transits, when you look at where things are going in the universe, in that in that patch of sky that is most perceptible to an astrologer like yourself. Mm-hmm. You see the news like the rest of us. Mass shooting in Gilroy, yeah. California. Mass yeah. shooting in El Paso, Texas. And 13 hours later, mass shooting in Dayton, Ohio. What, from the astrological perspective, if you would share, please, what is going on there? Well, um, I attributed... Things change as planets changed. And my original... Um, assignment or assumption, because astrologers, and this is the one thing that I really hope people can understand about astrology, we're always improve, trying to improve our craft. And we spend a lot of time studying the past in order to understand the future, because these planets have been in these places before, which is why we'll go to the last time that Uranus is in Taurus, and we'll look historically um, at that situation. Um, I originally had attributed this this uptick, um, especially in gun violence, to Uranus, planet of revolution and change. It can also be very incendiary. It could be a very, very volatile planet. 
Um, I originally attributed to it to the um, its position in Aries, which is ruled by Mars, which rules over firearms and, and guns. And so that would basically cover the 2010 to about the 2018 uh, window or, or time frame. And so there, you know, when you had things like ISIS or when you had really sort of the uptick in the gun violence, that kind of made sense. Now it's changed and it's shifted. And I don't know how serious you want me to get with all of this get as serious um, as the subject requires okay well historically if you look at the last period of time that uranus was in taurus it was in the 1930s and it's during the period of time when it was in taurus that you actually had the rise of fascism in europe and you had the increase in street violence particularly the violence that was being connected or attributed to um to uh, fascists and then to Nazis. Um, it was also following on the heels of the economic crash and, and things along those lines. So this is something that always makes astrologers uneasy and sensitive to what's going on because it's our job to look at the signs of the times. And so for Uranus to be back in a sign um, and to see this increase in gun violence, but also to see this increase in really hate speech and the activity of like of white supremacists and things like that those are things in which if you go back to the period of time that uranus was in taurus you 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 can't help but wonder is this a resurgence or is this happening again so this is something that astrologers are absolutely following and 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 paying attention to but what i want to sort of note if it makes any sort of sense to you is that the insinuation has changed, you know, where in the previous sign it just might have been, not just, but where it was more incendiary, combative, warlike. In this one, it's talking about more native soil, something that's coming out of um, your your home and your place, which is much more Taurian. And so, again, those are the themes that, that astrologers would be paying attention to uh, with, with Uranus. Thank you for sharing yeah, that, Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, the, the conversation that uh, Gary and I have been having about this is that, of course, there is violence all around the world, mm -hmm. but we're, we're most noting the violence in our own country. So it was interesting when you said it's about native soil, because, um, you know, that's one of the things that we're looking at, violence multiple places, multiple times. Um, and and just saying it's it's here. I mean, if if I lived elsewhere in the world, if I lived in Europe or Scandinavia or something, I would be very hesitant to make a trip to the United States. You know, right? Because when, it can seem very frightening. But at yes. the same time, what I also want to point out is that Uranus was connected to the Enlightenment. It was connected to innovation. It was connected to progressive ideas or ideas that were ahead of time. And if you sort of take a couple of steps back, you can see the Green New Deal. You can see, you know, all of this talk about the environment, about the planet Earth. These are not things that, from an astrologer's point of view, are coincidental. Um, okay. They're linked because Taurus is very much linked to, as I said, home soil, but it's also linked to Earth. It's an Earth sign. So you can also see the planet at work in those areas as well. I wanted to invite people to think about calling in if you have questions. And as you can tell, this is wide ranging as conversations go. 
uh, if you have something more personal that you would like to know. Maybe you had somebody run a birth chart and they told you, ooh, well, now in your seventh house of partnership, this is going to be very interesting. You're going to learn a lot in this lifetime because of planet and sign relationships. And maybe you've carried that around with you, hoping to get more insight. Or you say, I have a, a rising sign of Gemini. And wow, people look at me and they say, I'm two-faced there. And I don't think I really am because I, I was born Capricorn and we're pretty earthy people. And what's all this about? Those sorts of questions are welcome this hour because Christopher can give you his expertise. And the benefit of that is considerable, believe me. But also it may satisfy your curiosity. So again, Christopher can go 30, 60, 90 days out, look for this, 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 and this, because we'd have some dead air as he was figuring that out. And that's not what we do on the radio. That makes for bad radio. What makes for good radio is for you to ask the kind of question relevant to yourself, yes, but also of use to those who are listening or as many who are listening as possible, because there is something educational about talking to a professional astrologer of the first magnitude, and that's what we have in Christopher Renstrom. So as uh, I get ready to read the horoscopes, Christopher Renstrom is here. I'm going to read the scopes, and I've got them right in front of me. But before we do that, Suzanne, if you'd be so kind to just give out the numbers in case someone wishes to participate in the conversation, right. then we will welcome you in and otherwise carry on with our chat over the balance of this hour. But you are welcome to give us a call with one of those questions general that might be question. useful to a general question right. of use to yourself and others. Right. We won't be asking for your birth date this hour, so it's not going to be that specific. But if you already know some of the things in your chart and you do have a question, then a general question, it would be welcome. And those numbers to call from anywhere would be 425-373-5527, 425-373-5527. Or if you're in Western Washington, you're also invited to call toll-free at 1-888-298-5569. And Benny will put you in queue with any general question you might have. But in the meantime, Gary... Let's hear some of the scopes from rulingplanets.com. And we'll be saying that a few more times so that you can sign up. There, there are ways you can avail yourselves of Christopher Renstrom's services by going to rulingplanets.com. I'm going to read some now, some on the other side of the break. We'll get to all 12 before we close the hour. Let's start with the Aries ingress. That's an astrological term that I learned. That's where you start the zodiac, see, with the Aries and, and the ingress where you go into it, and it's where the Aries is. See, I know that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sitting a, I'm sitting across <laughs> yeah. Yeah, with an Aries who says, I'm first. That's right. Yeah. I get it. Let's start with Aries. Friday, August 9, 2019. Aries, it's no fun being sent back to the drawing board. But if that's what it takes to get things right, then run. Don't dawdle. For Taurus, you're surprised to see a taboo topic mentioned today. This is the opening you've been looking for. That's kind of spicy. Gemini, you'll be surprised when a bully shows a compassionate side. Did someone put something in the water? Not exactly, but Neptune is exerting a subaqueous influence. I think that's like when stuff's underwater. 
right. Neptune like exerting a subaqueous influence. All right. And, and one more. And one more. You Cancerians out there, and man, do we ever get the calls. They're more than any other sign. When we have calls coming in, it's from Cancerians. That's been true for years. Cancer, you need to be receptive to other points of view. Be open to taking steps that never would have occurred to you. And I find that very interesting in itself. You know what? I, I'm going to start there. Christopher, now, with cancer, you need to be receptive. Well, that's a good there. With all the conductivity of a cancer, they're so intuitive. That should work. You need to be receptive to other points of view. Be open to taking steps that never would have occurred to you. Cancerians have such a reputation for being extremely intuitive people, Christopher. It's kind of nice to know in a way that being fallible and human and all that, there are things occurring to people with cancer as their birth sign or cancer rising that wouldn't have occurred to us. I find that fascinating. Well, what I was uh, addressing here is that cancer is ruled by the moon. Every zodiac sign, by the way, is ruled by a planet. Some even are ruled by two planets. But in the case of cancer, it's ruled by the moon. And the moon rules over our memory. Uh, it rules over our sleep, and it rules over habit. So for cancer, the idea of habit is actually very important to them. Uh, we, we think of cancer, uh, we think of the moon as being cyclical, and, and of course it is. Uh, but one of the ideas of, of being cyclical is habitual. And so what can sometimes happen to cancers is that they can kind of get encrusted in the way that they view things in the world. They can, have, they can sometimes have a very sort of habitual or this is the way it's always been done. So there takes place in the sky certain aspects, and, and today the ruling planet, the moon, is, is squaring Neptune uh, while it's in Sagittarius. And those uh, are two signs ruled by Jupiter, so they're very horizons broadening. And so the idea of there being you know, a bigger picture or a different way of doing something, uh, these would be things that would not necessarily be your habitual approach, but could be uh, particularly um, beneficial or auspicious approach for cancerians today thank you for that and let's go back in, in suzanne's honor here aries it's no fun being sent back to the drawing board but if that's what it takes to get things right then run don't dawdle so there's a sense i gather of timeliness if you have to go back to the drawing board there's no excuse for waiting if something needs to be created or put right mm-hmm no excuse for waiting or no excuse for arguing or resisting. I mean, the thing is, we're dealing with a fiery moon today. And so, um, and this is how we do astrological forecasting. You, you look at, and the moon is very instrumental because it changes signs every two days. And so you look at how that moon is affecting the different, uh, the different zodiac signs. So with a fiery moon, for instance, this is going to really inflame. Um, the fire signs, which would be Aries, Leo, and Sagittarius. So what Aries is dealing with is, okay, uh, your first pitch or your first pass of or, uh, something that you thought was done and ready to go isn't. Uh, you have to go back to the drawing board. So instead of perhaps arguing or defending or explaining, um, it's better just to go back to, to the drawing board and start over again because things will probably come to you much more quickly. Um, First of all, if you're in a more, you know, let's go back and start again from scratch, but also much more quickly if you, you know, acknowledge, okay, I have to start this over again. Okay. Well, thank you for that. We're, um, we're going to take our halftime break now for a couple of minutes. 
And we have a couple callers already, and there may be more people out there. And I, I just want to repeat what we said uh, a little earlier about calling in. We will not be asking for your birth date. We are not looking at your particular chart. If you have a question which applies to a whole range of people about astrology, then we, then Christopher Renstrom will answer that particular question uh, about a house, a sign, an ascendant, you know, anything that uh, is kind of general in nature, but not necessarily specific as to a month, day, and year. But it may have implications for your own life path, which motivates you to pick up the phone and dial in. What are those numbers again? And the numbers are 425-373-5527 or toll free at 1-888-298-5569. Give us a couple of minutes. We will be right back. You're listening to Manson Mitchell on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to mansonmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Manson Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world-famed, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. It was a goal that I wanted to achieve from the very beginning. I'm a 40-year-old man that walked in there to get his high school diploma. I wasn't sure if I could do it. It was very hard for me, but the teachers, the counselors, they help you. One of the teachers was Miss Araceli. Miss Araceli, she gave me direction. Every single time I had a question, she'll put down whatever she's doing and she'll come over and she'll sit there with you until you get it. At age 47, with the help of his teacher, Marco finished his high school diploma. 50% of getting your high school diploma is walking through those doors. The other 50% is doing the work. Getting your high school diploma, it is a life-changing experience. It really is. It catapults you to where you want to go. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed back Christopher Renstrom, one of the most recognized and sought-after astrologers of our time. On Saturday, Mary Beckman returns with valuable healing information for you personally and for our planet. Bringing you fascinating talk since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Christopher Renstrom. I'm not sure Christopher heard the music, but that was House of the Rising Sun by the Animals. And I can still remember, Christopher, I'm riding in the back seat of my parents' sedan and we were going to buy furniture or something and we're making that drive and uh, they let me have my choice of radio stations. So I had the top 40 station, the big one in L.A., and this song comes on, and I'm doing my best to sing along with him. I'm 12 years old. 
And it's, <laughs> and it's been the ruin of many a uh, poor boy. And God knows I'm one. And I don't even know what I'm singing about. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> it sounds like you parents. had very tolerant and indulgent parents. <laughs> yes. We just... They just ignored the animals at that point. <laughs> so here we are talking to Christopher Renstrom. And if people would like to go to your website once again, Christopher, because you have a wonderful online subscription service. Well, thank you. Tell, tell us how people can do that and what they can find there. Well, you type in rulingplanets.com. That's the word ruling and planets together.com. And uh, it's a subscription service. So basically, you will get access to the site itself. Uh, that's access to daily horoscopes, weekly horoscopes, a feature I call Cosmic Alerts, uh, which gives you the heads up on what's up and coming. Uh, you can also access the uh, Love and Play feature, which tells you what signs you get along with and ones that don't. But the emphasis on the site is really on the whole background of your ruling planet. If you're born under a zodiac sign, then you have a ruling planet. For instance, we talked about Cancer, and the ruling planet is the moon. If you're a Capricorn, your ruling planet is Saturn. So you will get a whole background on what that planet means, and then you'll get a whole background on what that planet in the sign means. And so this is what you can sort of learn to sort of unpack um, and interpret your own chart, as well as to see the presence of the ruling planet in the charts of people that you know. Well, thank you for that. And I would encourage people to go to rulingplanets.com for more information. We have one person who has a question, and then Gary and I, of course, have thousands of questions. And back to the scopes after <laughs> we, a call. We have, um, oh, that's right. Well, we'll do it. Uh, okay. Let's get the caller well, she's been She's been holding. Jackie has been holding. And if I, if I understand it correctly, Jackie, your question for Christopher Renstrom is, can a reading be done if you don't have the time of your birth? Was that your question, Jackie? Yes, that's my question for sure. Thank you. Thank you. And Christopher, the answer is? Yes. Um, what people forget is that uh, we didn't really have uh, birth times or easy access to birth times until maybe uh, like maybe 75 or 100 years ago. <laughs> Before then, because you didn't have you know, a systemized way of recording time. Um, so if astrology has been around for 2,500 years, uh, people didn't know the exact time of day that they were born. They would know the time of year that they were born, and that's why they could know their zodiac sign. I was born in the month of the Virgin, or I was born in the month of the Ram, but they didn't necessarily know their time of day. They might be like, oh, maybe it was sunrise or whatever. So what happened is that uh, astrologers at that time would work with the ruling planet, meaning the planet that ruled the zodiac sign that the person was born under, and they would use that to really sort of, you know, unpack or, or interpret a reading. Nowadays, when we do not have a birth time, uh, more often than not, astrologers will just go with 12 noon for the day. Uh, and that basically uh, puts the sun right in the, in the middle of the day, and it allows us to have some intelligent guesses about the moon. We will not 
be able to work with the astrological houses or the rising sign because of no birth time, but based on the disposition of the planets and their relationships to each other, you can do some pretty good educated guesses for, for a chart. And I've had a number of clients who return because it seems to work for them when we begin doing predictive work or talk about transits. Awesome. Jackie, Thank you so much. That was, that was a great question, Jackie. I appreciate your calling in and asking that today because that would apply to a lot of people, including my own father who was born at home. And right. So he didn't have a birth time. My mother, the same thing. She knew she was born in the early morning because that's what they told her, but not a precise time. And yet Jackie's question is so important for those who would otherwise, without this knowledge, would shy away from having a birth chart run so that they would have a pretty good idea in a number of areas as to what they're about and the area of the possible in a given lifetime. So that was great, Jackie. Thanks so much. Thank you for the call. Thank you. Gary, did you want to pick up? Because we want to make sure we get everybody in. Oh, yeah. Or we're going to get hate mail. So let's go with <laughs> Leo. Next up is Leo for Friday, August 9, 2019. You thought you and a certain someone had an understanding. You did, but certain behind-the-scenes complications are befuddling that. Then moving on to Virgo. The last thing you feel like being is objective, but keep in mind that there are two sides to every dispute, even if it's hard to see right now. Libra, wait until everything's signed, sealed, and delivered before celebrating. You want to have something to crow about, not a reason to eat crow. <laughs> well, that's some pretty good advice right there. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to go one more. Scorpio, sometimes hope can drain the life out of your drive. Deal with what's here and now, and you'll find your way out of your current dilemma. That's Scorpio, and Christopher, I would like to bring that up. Sometimes hope can drain the life out of your drive. I, uh, one of the great spiritual philosophers of the 20th century, Ernest Holmes, founder of religious science, tended to treat hope in and of itself, just hope stated flatly, as something of a four-letter word, because he believed that if you claim the truth, you will experience the truth. There are actions and there are consequences. And he, he wasn't a big believer in pumping people up with hope. And here you say sometimes hope can drain the life out of your drive. Is that because aimless hope is just that? It, it's aimless. It doesn't take you anywhere. Hope is a fascinating word. Um, it's it's and, and and different civilizations have had different takes on it. It's a word that I connect to Neptune, which is um, uh, which is active uh, in a subaqueous way. So, or, or how did you pronounce it? You pronounced it so wonderfully, subaqueous, um, that underwater submerged way throughout the day because of its square to the moon. But in Greek mythology, for instance, after Pandora opens her box and unleashes all the sins and things like that into the world, um, she closes it and then hears a little tap-tap-tap and lets out one last entity, which is hope. And when I learned that as a child in school, I always learned that as sort of like the happy ending, you know, to, to the adventure of Pandora and her box. But in the original Greek, hope was actually portrayed as being the most insidious of all the, uh, of all the evils because it gave you the evil of 
imagining or thinking that things could be better than they are. I mean, we have to remember, we're talking about ancient Greece here, and they had a tendency to be really quite pessimistic. But sometimes we can invest so much in hope that we overlook the resources or the alternatives that, or the abilities or talents that we have at hand. And that can be a danger with Neptune when it's influencing. It can put so much emphasis on the illusory or the hopeful or the visionary that you overlook what you have um, at, at hand right now. You kind of overlook wit or shrewdness or cleverness. And that's what Scorpio's um, horoscope is about today. Thank you for that. And I am going to go back to Virgo, hopefully not entirely self-servingly, but I did want to bring up this idea that the last thing you feel like being is objective. The last thing you feel like being is objective. Now, I find that ironic, Christopher. I do, too. Because we Virgos tend to think that if as long as you have the right syllogism and you start with the right premise, then you can deductively arrive at a conclusion which is applicable to about any situation and be confident of a result. That's our idea of objectivity. And to us, that's sexy because it gives you a sense of managing the world, getting into the weeds of details and coming up with the desired result, or at least a good bearing as you move forward in the world. Virgo originally, you know the lore of astrology better than about anyone I know. And the idea here that Virgo was the virgin employed to go out in the fields and point out all the mistakes being made in order to help ensure a bountiful harvest. So the nitpicker has his or her uses, but we like to think of ourselves as being objective in doing so rather than narrowly biased. Okay. Well, the thing is, uh, analytical is not necessarily objective. And also we're talking about the temperament of the day today. The temperament of the day is very much colored by the moon in Sagittarius. So the moon in Sagittarius for Virgo is actually going to make it much more personalized for today. Um, in other words, opinions may be more colorful, uh, judgments may have more of a personal investment in it, reactions uh, may be much more personal. Um, and so that's, you know, something that I was attempting to address today. So in other words, there, you may have very, for Virgo may have rather untypical, uh, fiery or personal reaction to a situation. Um, and that uh, usually the expectation would be, well, I should be able to um, master this or step out of this situation and be more objective. Um, but that might not temperamentally be where Virgos are today. It might be like, you know what, I, my blood's in a boil. I really am upset about this, ha this event having taken place in, this, in the world or this setback that I'm experiencing right now. And so it is a reminder, because the moon is in Sagittarius, squaring the Neptune, um, that there are two sides to every dispute. And even though that's not emotionally where you are right now, um, it, it, it would be a good thing to, to try to aim for or uh, a good thing to bear in mind as you, as you go through your uh, system of analysis, uh, of analysis and of judgment. That is good advice. And it's interesting to me having had a Sagittarian for a mom there who could definitely get fiery. Wow. I mean, there are stories there. But she was a principled lady 
who fought for those principles. And if it happened to be over a parking place that she thought was stolen for, from her after she clearly indicated she was there first and somebody zipped in ahead of her in a sneaky way, she would let them know. And it didn't matter if it was a parking lot full of people in broad daylight, she would right. let that person know about their transgression. <laughs> and so this idea of having that fire, but in a principled way, many times tied to an orthodox view of spirituality. They're a righteous indignation, if you will. I see that crop up with Sagittarius, and we haven't read their horoscope yet for today either, There, but with Sagittarians, whenever that influence is felt, there seems to be a lot of fighting on principle if fighting there must be. Justice is incredibly important to Sagittarius. Indeed, the three um, autumnal signs, uh, that is the zodiac signs that take place in the season of autumn, the three autumnal signs are all connected to justice. It begins with Libra, Scorpio, and then Sagittarius. And there are three very different types of justice. Uh, Libra, for instance, is the letter of the law. You know, we will obey or comply by the letter of the law. Scorpio is eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And Sagittarius is the spirit of the law. So it's much more, Sagittarians' relationship to justice and law is much more interpretive. It's much more, okay, that might be the letter of the law, but it needs to be administered in this, in this spirit. This is what it really meant. <laughs> you know, so Sagittarians have a much more uh, clemency. They have a much more um, interpretive view of the law. And so if it can be too parochial, too stern, a Sagittarian will make it more amenable. Uh, more digestible, what they see as being more merciful. Um, and so those are the qualities that are very, very important to Sagittarius. Principles can sometimes be cool and removed, and for Sagittarius, they're very fiery, they're very of the moment, and they're very urgent. You know, this needs to be addressed or taken care of now. Yes, yes. Like in Bellevue, Washington, the Sagittarian lady I met quite pleasant to talk to and we were just chatting and she told me that she just didn't like rudeness I wasn't being rude to her but we were just discussing people and attitudes and she said I really can't stand rudeness like take the other night she was on the dance floor and some guy was getting quite lascivious putting the moves on her and not just in the dancing sense there but propositioning her and right on the spot her next dance move was to punch the guy in the nose <laughs> that's a Sagittarius <laughs> That's a Sagittarian with a sense of outraged virtue, and she took care of it on the spot. And I said, yeah, my mom was a Sag. I, I get it. <laughs> Sagittarian women are uh, are the broads of the Zodiac. <laughs> you know, they are, the ones that in the old movies could take the guy out or talk him down <laughs> or beat him yeah, at exactly. pool. <laughs> exactly. Well, and with Sagittarians, I find it interesting, all you Sages out there being treated to this uh, during this hour— there, but Sagittarians, if you gave them a catchphrase, it would be, don't fence me in. They love travel. They, they tend to take an orthodox view of their spirituality. Maybe they're dyed-in-the-wool Catholics or Baptists or what have you. There tends to be that attitude. But there is this sense with Sagittarians that what's right is right, and if you're going to do wrong, you must learn that what you're doing is wrong, and I'm prepared right on the spot to show you in a way that achieves justice. Like uh, Libra wants to balance the scales, Sagittarians mm -hmm. like to balance the books karmically, it seems to me. It's a very, very moral sign. 
um, of all the signs, I would say Sagittarians are the most moral. They believe the most in a good, uh, a good and an evil universe. But they're not pessimistic. It's fire, so it's always optimistic. So good will triumph. Good will prevail. So Sagittarians can go through all sorts of hardship, all sorts of difficulties, all sorts of setbacks. But as long as there is a moral to the story, as long as there is a lesson to be learned, that fulfills them. That's the thing that really lifts their sights. Um, to the stars, which is what's going on with all the fire signs. They're all looking uh, heavenward or out into the future. But for Sagittarius, that life has purpose, that has meaning, that connecting to one's own higher purpose, whatever that should be, and that things can be explained in a morality that we perhaps may not always understand, these are the things that are always broadening and enriching a Sagittarian spirituality. And before I read Sagittarius, I should just point out that one of the wisest metaphysical souls I know anywhere in Puget Sound, Lou J. Free, told me, there's a hat tip to Lou, hope she's listening. She said that Sagittarians are the playboys and playgirls of the Zodiac. And she's not the only person to say that to me, but I do remember at one of her showcases hearing that. And I thought, well, that's pretty interesting because my mom was a very devout, good girl Catholic and just didn't play like that. And yet I've known some Sagittarian men who definitely like to play the field and Sagittarian women who may have gone to the Catholic girls high school. But if you wanted a good time, it was their number written on the bathroom wall. Oh, dear. Well, well, remember, they're half horses, so horse play is very much connected to Sagittarius. And let's let's go ahead and read those last four so we make sure we get them in this <laughs> Those hour. Sagittarians who, after that, are still listening for Friday, August 9, 2019. Here we go. The moon conjunct Jupiter and then square Neptune lead you down an unlikely path. Be open to new ideas and beliefs. They won't debunk your reality. They'll enrich it. Well, it's good to be enriched. It might bear noting that there is some meaning that only Christopher Renstrom is here able to describe since he wrote the words. The moon conjunct Jupiter and then square Neptune. What up with that? <laughs> well, again, think of the hands of a clock, okay? A conjunction is when uh, two planets are in the same place at the same time, like 12 noon, right? The minute hand and the hour hand are in the same place, all right? Okay, so if you do, uh, so a conjunction is that two planets are in the same place, and, and here there's a conjunction between the moon, that's one, that's, let's call that the second hand, and, and, and Jupiter, let's call that the hour hand. And then they are square, another hand on the clock, which is Neptune. So if we go back to the analogy of a clock, Neptune square that would basically be 1215. So think of, you know, two hands at the same spot being 12 noon, and then you make 12.15. You move uh, three signs over, and you get Neptune in Pisces, which is where it's positioned right now. So a square is always quarter to the hour or, or, or quarter past the hour. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for that. Claim. What, what trips off your tongue, tongue so easily, Christopher, can seem pretty confusing to others who just don't happen to be professional astrologers. That's oh, why well, we need to have you on for a 20th visit. You bring so much insight. As time is drawing near, let's get to Capricorn. Your star is on the rise, and it could go higher as long as you allow events to unfold on their own. Aquarius. 
Sometimes you just have to be shamelessly selfish. It's awkward putting yourself first, but if you don't do it, then somebody else will happily step in. And finally, Pisces. You're going to be of two minds about everything with the moon conjunct Jupiter and squaring Neptune today. But then again, split vision may do you some good. It's like picture in picture. That's interesting. You're going to be of two minds about everything with the moon conjunct Jupiter and squaring Neptune today. It's okay to try some split vision, Pisceans. What I wanted to do, though, for a moment here, Christopher, is to go back to Capricorn. Your star is on the rise, and it could go higher as long as you allow events to unfold on their own. Capricorns, perhaps more than anyone else, with the exception of the really hardcore Arians. I mean, Aries definitely has that fire in the belly. We know this. But among my Capricorn acquaintances, they don't like to leave anything to chance. They don't like to be involved much with anything that they cannot manage. And if that means butting something off the cliff or climbing those those <laughs> rocky steps, they're more than willing to do it because it is native to them. It is in their nature to do so. I imagine for a Capricorn, it would be pretty darn difficult to simply allow events to unfold on their own. Well, that's because it's a fear-based sign, all right? Um, it's ruled by Saturn, and Saturn is the planet connected to trials and tribulations, doubts and anxieties. And so the difference between an Aries and a Capricorn, for instance, is that an Aries Aside from the fact that Aries is spring, so it's more optimistic, and Capricorn is a winter sign, so it's more pessimistic. Uh, but the other difference is that an Aries will charge at something. Okay, it's it's that having that bravado, having that courage, having is, is very important to an Aries. Aries is driven by that, and part of what will stoke the flame of bravado and courage can be anger, uh, which refers to the uh, ruling planet Mars, named after the Greek god of war. Uh, the Roman god of war, rather, uh, with, with Capricorn at Saturn, so it's fear. And so that's where you kind of get what you're talking about with your friends, the kind of control freakiness. Um, also why they will project uh, an, an aloof or an austere uh, visage, because they don't want to look like they are anxious or like they are frightened underneath. And so that's why they'll put across that sort of wintry, cold, or icy exterior. But with a Capricorn, it's, it's a dilemma. They either collapse to their fears and become immobilized, or they climb on top of their fears. They work to master those fears, and the fear actually um, becomes something that drives them forward, because even if they may have fear of success, then they become successful, and then they're afraid that they won't be successful again. So that kind of like existential dilemma is something that always trails Capricorn around on all those mountaintops that they're climbing. Fear as motivation. That's excellent. Excellent insights as always, Christopher Renstrom. Thank you, my friend, for joining us. And tell people once again, where do they go to get up close and personal with you? Rulingplanets.com rulingplanets.com. We, we're looking forward to visit number 20 already. We'll do something oh, special. Such well, a thank pleasure. You, thank you very much. A All pleasure right. as always. And coming up next? Uh, Christine Upchurch, followed by the Susan Harmon Experience, followed by American Road Trip Talk with we're, host Gary Mance. We will have some fun at 1 p.m. Pacific time with Trip Talk. Until then, have yourselves a great start to your weekend, everyone. And as always, stay tuned whenever you can to AM 1150, Seattle's home of alternative talk. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.